in Acts chapter 9. Open your Bible there. And in just a moment, I don't believe I can use this today. Can't get it untangled. In Acts chapter 9, I want us to look at uh, beginning in verse 12. In Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 12. May we have a word of prayer together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for everything that God has done in this service already. For that wonderful song that blessed our hearts. The uplifting of the name of Jesus. That precious name. And how precious it is there's something about the name that calms our fears and bids our sorrows cease. We would ask Thee to set our soul afire. Make us ablaze for Thy glory and honor. And we pray that those who are here without Jesus will come to know Thee as Savior and Lord today. In Christ's name, amen. And hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. He is a chosen vessel unto me. When we couple that passage with a passage in John chapter 15, verse 16, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. In putting those passages together, we have the secret of revival. The Apostle Paul was Saul of Tarsus. His whole life was radically changed when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Not only was his name changed from Saul to Paul, but his destiny was changed from hell to heaven. His ambitions were changed from being a Hebrew of the Hebrews to being one who said, for to me to live is Christ. Everything about his life was changed. Ananias was a Christian in the city of Damascus. He had heard a whole lot about Saul. He knew that Saul was on his way to Damascus to put to death Christians in that city. And so when he heard that Saul was there, and then the Lord spoke to Ananias, and God said, Ananias, I want you to go down to the street called Straight, and there you will find one named Saul, and you go in and tell him what I want him to do with his life. <laughs> well, Ananias was a little bit scared. Imagine, now for a moment, you imagine hearing 
that some great philosopher has come to Bowling Green. Uh, perhaps somebody from Russia. Maybe somebody from China. Somebody whose whole ideology is different from yours. His whole background is different from yours. And he's come to the city of Bowling Green, and God says to you one day, you get up and go over on uh, Main Street, or you go down on Normal Boulevard, or you go over on University Boulevard, or you go up to University Towers, to, to Pierce Ford Towers, to the 12th floor, or you go uh, over to uh, uh, Oak Lawn Way or somewhere, and there's a man in a house there, and I want you to go in and, and tell him what I want him to do with his life. And you already know that that man is a prominent official. And he's come to the city of Bowling Green purposely to clamp down on the churches. Now, what would you do? <laughs> That's somewhat where Ananias found himself. And, and Ananias said, well, now, Lord, I have heard that this man is coming here and, and he is breathing out threatenings against the Lord's church. And look what he's done down at Jerusalem, and, and he's come here to do the same thing. The Lord said, nevertheless, Ananias, you go and deliver the message that I have for him. Thank God for an obedient servant. Thank God for Ananias. He got up, made his way down to the street called Straight, knocked on that door, and he found Saul. Saul had been blind for three days. Out there on that Damascus road, 190 miles from the city of Jerusalem, he had heard a voice. There had come a light and blinded him, and he heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul said, who are you, sir? And that voice said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And do you know what Saul said? Saul said in that moment, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And I believe the scripture teaches us here that in that moment, Saul of Tarsus was changed. He opened his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He called Jesus Lord. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Before that, he already knew what he was going to do. He was going to kill all the Christians down there at Damascus. He already had it all lined out. But now, God completely changes the direction of his life. He changes his ambitions. He changes his motivations. He changes his destiny. He changes everything about him. And Saul says, Lord, what do you want me to do? And Saul, and the Lord, the voice said, Saul, you go into Damascus and go down to that certain place and you go there and rest and just, just wait and I'll send somebody to tell you what to do. Isn't that interesting? Has anybody ever, has God ever spoken to you through somebody else? Well, I'm sure the Lord could have just said, now Saul, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go as a missionary to the Gentiles and I want you to do this and I want you to do that and so on. But the Lord didn't do that. 
The Lord, do you know what? The Lord didn't even tell him out there on the Damascus Road that he was to be baptized. I've heard people say, well, you know, I'll be baptized when the Lord tells me to be baptized. Well, the Lord didn't tell him to be baptized. Honest, you read the record. Out there on that road, the Lord said, you go into the city and I'll send somebody and he'll tell you what you're to do. And so here comes Ananias, the servant of the Lord, obedient to the will of God, even though it may cost him his neck. You know, we live in, a, in an age of softies. There are people that are scaredy cats. They want a little bit of religion. They want to be part of a popular church. And they want to be part of a popular movement where they can wear what they want to wear and live like they want to live and act like they want to act. And if they go to church, and if a Sunday school teacher expects them to sit up and listen and be part of the class and to pay attention, they pout and they get over in a mood because they're softies. God wants some strong men. Remember, he doesn't call vacillating weaklings to be his servants. He calls some strong people. And Ananias was that kind of man. Ananias went down and knocked on that door. And he said, Brother Saul, already a brother. Where was Saul saved? Was he saved in the baptismal pool? Well, no, he was saved down on the Damascus Road. So that when Ananias comes and says, Brother Saul, you ask the people today who teach baptismal regeneration, they do not call people brother who do not agree with them. They call them mister. Why would Ananias call Saul brother if he were not already a brother in Christ, already saved? See, he was already saved. Brother Saul, receive thy sight. Brother Saul, the Lord appeared to me, the same Lord that appeared to you out there on the Damascus Road. And here's what you're to do. You are a chosen vessel to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. And I'll show you how great things you must suffer for my name's sake. That was the message God gave to Ananias to deliver to Saul. You are a chosen vessel. Now, dear brethren, this morning, I believe God has given me a message to you. I believe that those who have joined us by radio and here in this auditorium this morning are chosen vessels. God has appointed you for a tremendous work. A tremendous responsibility Jesus said ye have not chosen me but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name he may give it to you there are two groups of people to whom I speak this morning those who are saved and those who are lost if you're here today and you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, Christ is living in your heart, you have been to Calvary, you've had your sins atoned for in the blood, and you know Christ personally, intimately, He lives inside of you as your own hope and your sin bearer, then you're a Christian. 
You're a brother in Christ. You know the Lord. And remember that you did not choose the Lord. He chose you. Now that's hard for us to understand. Because in an invitation, sometimes we say, now will you choose Jesus? And it's as if we were giving you the opportunity to say, now look, here's Jesus and here's sin. Now which are you going to choose? You either choose Jesus or you choose sin. And in one sense, there's, a, there's an element of truth in, that, in this. But the point is, Jesus has chosen you. And as he speaks to your heart, here a man, there a man, here a woman, here a woman, here a young person, here a teenager, here a girl, here a little boy. And Jesus speaks. He has chosen you to be part of his team. What are you going to do with that choice? You know, when we were children, we used to play choose up. They'd put a captain over here and a captain over here and, and this captain would look out here and I choose you and this captain would say, I choose you and this captain would say, I choose you. And you know, they'd get all the big people first and all the strong people first. You ever played that? Put your hands up. Well, sure you have, all right? And you know, so have you ever, have you ever been a captain and you tried to choose somebody? They said, my head, I won't choose her and play on your team. Have you ever done that? <laughs> That's the way some people treat the Lord. God says, I choose you, I choose you, I choose you, I choose you. You didn't choose Jesus. He chose you. If you're here today and you've never been saved, you've never received Christ as your personal Savior, the very reason you're in this auditorium or you have tuned into this radio broadcast is because Christ has set limitations on your life and has destined you to hear the glorious gospel so that you could in turn respond to his choice. Now, you're not a draftee, you're a volunteer. The captains that I ever saw, when they would choose somebody, they'd say, now I choose you. But they didn't come down here and lasso him and pound him and say now look even if you don't want to hit play on my team I'm gonna make you and so they bring you up here and they don't do that no neither does God God doesn't do that way you are a chosen vessel now I believe God also has chosen his church he's chosen his church from out of the world and he has empowered his church what are we chosen for what is the church chosen for? What are individuals chosen for? Why was Saul a chosen vessel? Listen. He is a chosen vessel unto me, number one, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And number two, I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. How do you like that? That's the reason we're chosen. We're chosen, number one, to be instruments through which the grace of God can be poured into the lives of others. And number two, to suffer for Jesus' sake. Now you know that just rubs against the grain in most of our lives. Already in this congregation this morning, there are people who are just taking this with a, with a shovel and they're passing it back and say, well, that's good for somebody else. Boy, I hope brother so-and-so is here, sister so-and-so is here, and they're passing it back to somebody else. I mean this for you. 
This is for you. You mean me? Yes, you. Right there, wherever you are. This is for you. If you're saved today, if you're God's child, God has chosen you for two purposes. Number one, to bear his name. And number two, to bear his reproach. That's it. Now, how are we going to do this? How are we going to bear the name of Jesus out there to the people? The message of Jesus. How are we going to go and tell when our life is filled with sticks and stones and things that break our spiritual bones? How are we going to get the message out to the people? If I had a glass here this morning and this glass you know, I, I got it out of the drainage ditch back here. And you could see mud on it. And uh, in the bottom of it were a couple of leaves and there was a roach down in there. And I say, uh, here, Deacon Kennedy, fill this glass with water. Uh, this guy down here needs a drink. So he fills the glass with water. And I say, here, I want you to have a drink of water. Would you drink it? No, he shakes his head. I don't blame you, you're a smart guy. I wouldn't either because it's dirty now if you're saved this morning God has chosen you to be an instrument to bear the message of Christ to carry the glorious gospel to the ends of the earth to go out in the city of Bowling Green out into the junior high and the pub and the uh, uh, high schools the public schools the elementary schools the Christian school wherever you are he has chosen over to the university over to the factory he has chosen you to carry the glorious gospel but I want to tell you people are too conscious of cleanliness today to want to drink out of a dirty glass right and if your glass is dirty, if your life is dirty, if you've got all kinds of debris in your life, if you've got all kinds of callousness so that you don't have a heart that loves, if your life is filled with sin, then the people cannot hear and cannot take the water of life. I have chosen you as an instrument, but what will you do? Will you be a clean instrument or a dirty instrument? Will you be a vessel unto honor or a vessel unto dishonor? Saul said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And in that moment, Saul made a surrender that was unconditional, a total sellout. When we were negotiating to bring World War II to a close, President Roosevelt and the other officials of the Allied Freed World said the Axis armies must lay down their arms in unconditional surrender. That meant no conditions. You surrender with no conditions. If we want to, we'll come into your place and wipe you off the map. And of course, America didn't do that. There are no conditions. Your men cannot remain in power. 
our men, our military, our government will come in and run your land. Unconditional surrender. Now that's what God wants in our lives. Unconditional surrender. As we come face to face with Jesus Christ, what are we going to do with what he wants us to do? An unconditional surrender to him. Yielding our all to him. And secondly, to bear the reproach of Jesus. To bear my name. To suffer for my sake. It's not going to all be a bed of rosy ease. It's not going to always be easy. Some of the greatest Christians I know are teenagers. Oh, I know some great Christians who are old people. I know some great middle-aged Christians. I know some great young married people. I know some great adults. I know some great children. But I would say some of the greatest Christians I've ever met have been teenagers, young people. It's often, often interesting to me <clears throat> to find a young person whose parents are not involved, who don't care. They don't give a hang. They never do anything to try to get their kids in church. And then one of those young people really gets serious about God and he gets saved and the Lord begins to move in his life and the Lord begins to use him. And, and that young person, why, he just can't get enough. He can't do enough. He can't get involved enough. And boy, he, he wants to serve the Lord. Oh, he loves the Lord. And then some kids from homes whose parents love God with all their hearts. They don't know what they've got. And they take advantage of it. And so they come to church and look bored. So what? I'll just see what they can give me. See. Listen, young people, you don't treat your parents that way. You're treating God that way. See, that's an offense to God. Not only are you breaking your parents' heart, but you break God's heart when you do that. And you're in violation of what the scripture says when he says, when the word of God says to believers, whatever age you are, God has chosen you to be a vessel unto honor for his glory, for his name. Now, how does all this fit into revival? Well, revival is important because, well, you know, somebody said, I don't believe in revivals. They told Billy Sunday, I don't believe in revivals because they don't last. <laughs> Billy Sunday said, neither does a bath, but it helps every Saturday night. Well, you see, a revival is sort of a cleansing. It's a cleaning up. It's a time when we put our lives under the Word of God. It's like getting into a shower and allowing that shower to come down, and, and then you apply a little, little, bit, little bit of soap. And, uh, you know, if you've got any open wounds and you put that soap on that wound, it hurts a little bit, burns a little bit, and, and so on. And, and that's what a, a revival is. It's sort of taking a spiritual shower it's sort of getting yourself cleaned up where you hear the Word of God and you allow God's Word to get close to you and you get filled with the message of Jesus. And then we're in better order, better shape to go out into the world and hear and do and perform 
and be what God has told us to be, chosen vessels unto his glory and his honor. What can I do as a chosen vessel to help bring revival? Number one, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So the first thing we can do is to get our life in order according to 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Humble myself, pray, seek God's face, turn from my wicked ways, and then God will hear and God will heal. That's the first thing. So I need to get myself in proper condition. I need to get myself in working condition. If we have a watch that never works, you don't just throw it away if you care anything about that watch. You take it to the jeweler and get it fixed. If you've noticed about your life that somehow it's out of kelter and you don't enjoy spiritual things like you once did. You don't enjoy reading the Bible. You don't enjoy being in church. You don't enjoy being in Sunday school. You just go because you have to or because mom makes me or, or because you just, it's a thing to do. Or I get badgered into it. I've heard, I heard a husband say the only reason I come to church is because my wife badgers me into it. <laughs> he said he was a Christian. Now, if that's the reason, then you need a spiritual shower. You need a cleansing. And you need to let 2 Chronicles seven fourteen become real to you. You need to get your life in working condition before God so God can use you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit chose you to play on Jesus' team not just to sit around loafing. He chose you to do a great work for his glory, for the glory of Christ. Secondly, what can I do? I can be sure to get other people under the word of God during the meeting. Get people there. Because I'm a chosen vessel to do it. Paul said, if by any means after I have preached the gospel to others, I become a castaway, oh, I beat my body into subjection because I don't want this to happen. But he said, on the other hand, I will be all things to all men that if by any means, by any way, I might save some. This seemed to be the lifelong goal of the Apostle Paul. And so we can bring people, get them under the Word of God. Get them here Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Get them under the Word of God so that they hear the Word of God because we're a chosen vessel to do it. What else can I do to fulfill my chosen vessel position? All right, here's the last thing I want to lay on your heart. Put your eyes over there on Jesus. Take your eyes off of the things of the world, whether they be people, whether they be attractions that have gotten into your heart, whatever they are. Put your eyes over on the Lord. And remember that after a while we're going to face the King. And the reward day will come when we stand face to face with Jesus 
face to face with Christ my Savior, face to face, what will it be? When with rapture I behold him, Jesus Christ, who died for me, Paul said just before he went to be with the Lord, the time of my departure is at hand. I have kept the faith. I have finished the course. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them who love his appearing. That's what I want to ask you to do. Put your eyes over on the other side, on the homeland. When I was a young preacher in the seminary, I went down to Todd County and preached in a church. There was a, a little old lady. I told this story at Beach Bend this morning. There was a little old lady that used to weigh, I suppose, 150, 160 pounds, a great, great Christian. She had used her voice to honor Jesus. She had sung for the glory of God. And, and now she had arthritis. She only weighed 50 pounds. She was just eaten up, and her hands were all pulled in, and, and she couldn't move herself. If she even moved in bed, somebody had to move her. Somebody had to wait on her for everything, feed her and everything. When I went to see her, I thought, well, I, I need to go see this dear lady. But you know, the first visit I made, I knew that I was the one that was going to get blessed. It was sort of like visiting Mrs. Isla Gray, who is now with the Lord. Every time I visited, I got the blessing. And so I visited, and that little old lady, so eaten up with arthritis, she couldn't, she couldn't move, she couldn't do anything. But she had crystal clear eyes. She looked up at me with those eyes, and she said, I want to sing you a song. She said, I don't sing about the world because the world is not my home. I want to sing you a song about heaven. And she sang, there's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar. For the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. I can just hear her now. Beautiful, clear voice. She was 80 years old. In the sweet by and by, she couldn't move anything, but her voice was not affected. I went back a number of times. One day when I went in, she said, I want to sing you a special song today. It may be my last song this side of home. Billows, mine to the oar, pull, sailor, pull for the shore. The next week she went to be with Jesus. She taught me a terrific lesson with that. You and I are not citizens of this world, we're citizens of heaven. We're to keep our eyes there. And we can have perennial revival in our lives if we'll keep our eyes over on the other shore. 
and recognize that we're chosen vessels, that we're passing through a dark night, that our eyes are over there, and while we go, we want to collect as many precious trophies and jewels and people as we can to present to the Master when we stand before him one day. Because we're a chosen vessel unto his glory and his honor. Let's close our eyes in prayer, please. Our Father in heaven, we thank thee that Jesus has chosen us. We have not chosen him, but he has chosen us. Help us to be faithful to his choice. We pray now that those who are in this place without Jesus Christ, who have never received him as Savior, who are not under the blood, may they come to Christ today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. May we stand, please. I appreciate the faithful way you've listened today, your attentiveness. God bless you. I want to ask that during this invitation we do not move around. This is God's invitation. Look at me carefully a moment. If you're here today and you're not positive beyond the shadow of a doubt that you'd go to heaven when you die, you're not really positive. You say, well, how can you know? Or I don't really know. Or I know I'm not. You need the blood of Jesus Christ that can cleanse you from sin. The only hope of heaven is the blood. Joining a church isn't enough. Getting baptized isn't enough. Reforming your life is not enough. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And you say, well, how can I get the blood of Jesus? What does that mean? That means that by faith, you're willing to believe that what Jesus did when he died on that cross 2,000 years ago was enough for you, enough punishment for your sins. That you believe that he not only died and was buried, but he arose again and he's alive today and he has power to come into your life and change you. If you're willing to believe in him and receive him, he'll save you today. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I want to ask you to call on him right now. If you're here and your membership is in some other church and God wants you at Glendale, you come today. If you're here and, and you've never been saved, you've never received Christ as your Savior, come to him this morning. Just come with your sins and your sorrows and your heartaches and your messed up life and all your failures and put them over on the cross and say, Lord, here's my life. Do what God leads you to do. If you're here and you've already been saved but you've never made it public, you've never, you haven't done what Jesus wanted you to do about being scripturally baptized, you ought to come this morning. While we wait, while we pray, who'll step out first for the King, Christ Jesus? Will you come quickly?